formerly called New Tribes Mission. And Lord willing, uh, and it sounds like we will be, uh, we'll be going to Papua New Guinea uh, at the end of September. So about in one month, uh, we will be getting on a plane ride. Perfect, right up there. So that's my wife, Christine, and, and our three children. Um, and so Lord willing, like I said, we'll be going to Papua New Guinea at the end of September. Uh, and unfortunately, I won't be talking a whole bunch about what we're going to go do, but to sum it up very quickly, we will be serving with ethnos, uh, doing church planning. So we'll go into a tribal area, uh, learning their culture, their language, and Lord willing, translating the Bible into their language, and then hopefully see a thriving church, thriving church exist there. That is the 10-second version of what can take 30 minutes to an hour to explain. Uh, but that's, if you want to know more about us and what we're going to go do, like you said, we're going to be here after, and then you can also just come up and uh, ask me. And so I believe people in here or the church is going to be supporting us as we go, and we thought um, how important it would be for you guys to know a little bit about who we are, who I am, why are we going to go do this. And so we have a video of my uh, testimony, just how faithful and amazing our God has been uh, throughout my life. So uh, we'll play that video. So 
still always thinking about my mom. I still have little siblings that were there. Yeah, so there are a lot of gaps throughout that that video of where uh, I ended up and the people God has brought into my life um, to where we are now. And uh, 
I show that for various reasons, but one of the main ones is it, that's a big part of why we are giving up the comforts of America, the comforts of just being here. Um, because when we first heard that there's people around the world that has never heard, um, we, we couldn't fathom it. We, it didn't make sense to us that there's people who have lived and died without ever hearing, without ever knowing or f- experiencing the love of our God. And we said, all right, Lord, we are not the most qualified. We are not the most capable. Um, but if you can use us, we're willing to go. Um, and so that segues into where we will be this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, uh, that's where we're going to spend the, the vast majority of our time this morning. Uh, but before we do that, I always like to bring this out. So if a lot of people are like, oh man, I better not fall asleep. But you, yeah, you probably shouldn't fall asleep. But I, I won't spray you with it. Um, so this right here, I love what it says uh, in James chapter 4, verse 14. You ready? Let's see if it works. You catch it? You see it? All right, let's try over here. You ready? It's, it's going to be quick. So just as quickly as that came out, it was gone. In James 4.14 it says, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor, a mist, that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Man, our life here on earth is so short in light of eternity. It's so short that God put it into words that our life is compared to a vapor. And we just saw just as quickly as it came out, it was gone. And that's our life. It goes by so, so quickly. And so that's why I want to spend our time this morning looking at the lives of two people, Paul and Ananias. A lot of people, they turn to Acts 9 and it's all about the conversion of Paul. And and what Paul did is amazing how God used this man to reach so many and he wrote so many of the books, um, but we often forget of the, the people that helped Paul along the way, who discipled him. And uh, Ananias is one of those people. And if you're like, I don't even know who Ananias is, well, I hope you enjoy this morning. I think, so we're actually, uh, just for time's sake, we're going to be uh, in verse 10. So Acts chapter 9, uh, we're going to start in verse 10. And to catch us up where we are, we have Paul who is going door to door. He's looking for Christians. He's actively looking for Christ's followers to persecute, to imprison, to kill. This is the man who is at uh, Stephen's stoning. He watched Stephen be, uh, be stoned to death for his faith in Christ. And this is the man who had permission to go to Damascus looking for Christ's followers to persecute, to imprison, to murder. And that brings us to the point where he meets God on the road to Damascus. And he's blinded, and he has his, the people who he's with, he goes into Damascus, and he, he is uh, fasting, he's not eating or drinking for three days, he's just praying to the Lord. And God told him that a man would come to you, and he would heal you of your blindness, and that was Ananias. And so that picks us up in verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord sent, said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. 
But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so I want to back up to chapter, uh, not chapter, chapter 9, verse 10. Uh, reread that really quickly. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a, vi- a vision, Ananias. And he responded, he said to God, Here I am, Lord. I'm not sure. Perfect. This, just from my personal opinion, I really think this should be the Christians. The, if you're a follower of Christ, this should be our natural posture, our natural response to God is, here I am, Lord. What do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And I think Ananias is a great example of this. And what we also see in the book of James, uh, James encourages not to just be hearers only, but to be act, to act, to be doers of the word. Uh, James uh, chapter 1, verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. And I, as I was studying this, Uh, In the Bible Knowledge Commentary, uh, I love what it says is, ultimately, the key both to responding to trials and resisting temptation is to be found in one's reaction to God's Word, receptivity to the Word, responsiveness to the Word, and resignation to the Word are essential to spiritual growth. One must accept God's Word, act on it, and abide on it, abide by it. And this passage, this quote, it just further cements this idea that if you're a follower of Christ, if you are claimed to be a believer in Christianity, we're not called to just soak information in and do nothing with it. We're called to be doers. We're called to live our lives out practically for the world to see. As the Spirit leads us and uh, teaches us through His people, through His Word, and during our training, uh, so to serve with Ethnos 360, uh, Normally, I present a lot more about who we are in our training. So it's Serve with Ethnos 360. You do two years of Bible school and then two years of training. Uh, and so two years, the, the part of our training, um, one of our teachers, we had a class called Practical Spirituality, uh, and he said this, that we are so obese spiritually, but we're starving practically in modern-day Christianity. And as the Spirit leads... We need to act on it and let Him change us. We need to be men and women of God who are moldable, movable, and allowing God to change us to not look more like us. And I, yeah, oftentimes I say this uh, carefully that one of the biggest pushes in our culture right now in this Western individualistic society is uh, to be the best version of yourself, be the best you. and that, that's just what's pushed all through a public school. I remember that being pushed. It's just be the best you. Uh, and maybe you've heard that plenty of times. And maybe you're, you're like, yeah, be the best you. And does that mean just let yourself fall apart and don't do anything? No, of course not. But we're not called to be the best version of ourselves. Because the best version of ourselves, uh, the Bible said, is deceitful. Uh, when we're talking about the heart, who can know it? 
It is deceitful above all things. And so we're called to be, to, be, to act, to feel, to look like Christ. Um, and so that's what we're called to do. And I love looking at the early church in Acts um, because you can just see these men and women who are going through severe persecution, such pushback, because this, this is just taking place. Christ just died, and, and the, the gospel is spreading. And you, you have to know the spiritual warfare that is going on. Satan does not want this message to go any further. So that means if you are acting on the Spirit's leading, if you are following Christ, if you are looking like Christ, you can expect severe persecution, severe suffering. And you're kind of guaranteed that if you're not walking with the Lord. If you aren't a believer, you, it's the same result because the only thing this world can offer you is death and destruction. The difference, that's the key. The difference between a believer and unbeliever is we have somebody to go to. We have somebody to rest on and to abide in. We have that hope of Jesus, the comfort, the love that he can bring. And that is such a difference maker and a huge reason why we want to go and share this with people who have never heard and will never hear unless somebody were to go. But I love the early church. as such a challenge to me as I work through Acts. Of these are people whose their natural posture to God was not, I want to make a bunch of money. I want to do this. I, I want to do that. They really understood what we did at the beginning of James 4.14, this, this idea of their life in light of eternity is so short. So whatever you have me here on earth, God, like I want to live it for you, for whatever you want that to be. Whether that is this or that, um, they really understood that. And it was such a great example. And it's a, it honestly is a challenge for me. Um, because I said most of the world, I, I missed the slide, I think, yeah, it's being the best you, be, be the best version of ourselves. And if you really think about it, it, it's really focusing on I. Like, it's all about, like, what we want to accomplish, what, where we want to go. Um, what is Nike's model? Yeah, like, like just do it. Um, but I already said we, we don't want to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, Romans 7.18 um, says it, I think, pretty clear. It says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh for i have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out for i do not do the good i want but the evil i do not want is what i keep on doing or in jeremiah i already said it in 17 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it who can under who can know it and uh, i love this this quote i think it, i found in the bible knowledge commentary that the best version of ourselves, practically speaking, can only be wicked, can only be deceitful and full of sin and death because that's the only thing this world offers. And the solution, what's the solution to this? In Romans 12, 1 through 2, I'm sure we know, everyone knows this one. But I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I can really think and remember growing up, I hearing these verses and like, it's like, oh, whatever, like, 
I, I've, I know I didn't take it seriously. But as I look at the trend that this world is heading and how it is not heading towards God, it's heading towards the opposite. And that, that's going to influence the culture. That's going to influence us to some degree. And I think more than I, ever in my life when I read Romans 12, 1 through 2, it's like, wow, okay, like I need to be constantly evaluating my mindset, my motives. Am I, am I, is my motive for me or is it for, for the Lord? And that's often where uh, I take it. And often, if we're honest, um, our posture towards God, it, it's not, here I am, Lord, what do you have for me? Um, it's like, hey, God, I'm going this way. You come in, like, we already start walking, and we look back, like, come on, God, let's go. Come on, God, are you coming with me? And it's a role reversal. It, it's so bizarre um, when in, in, in reality we should be like, all right, God, I want to go do this. Would you bless it? Would you, would you come with me? Is this, if this is what you have, let me keep walking with you towards it. If not, shut the door. And if he shuts that door, don't try and break it down. I think oftentimes I have done that many times. Like, Lord, you're going to shut that door. I'm going to open it back up. Um, and that's just not uh, what we're called to do. Um, and I usually say this, but it doesn't apply since this is the first time you've ever heard me speak. But Typically, uh, for any church I've spoken at many times, including my home church, uh, pretty much every single time I preach or teach, I quote Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Um, because the reality is, if you want to know what God is passionate about, if you want to know what our God is doing, like if you're like, okay, I don't have any plans, like I don't know what to do, or I'm retired, what do I do now? I'm just in my 20s, I don't know what to do. If you want to know what our God is passionate about, what he's doing on planet Earth right now, is right there in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, before he left this world. Come on. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I mean, it seems pretty clear to me. If you want to be doers of the word, if you want to practically live out Christianity, it's right there in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Make disciples. It says of all nations, but the word there is ethnos. It's people, of all people. And so us the holes, we are going to Papua New Guinea. And I, I love it when people are like, I could never do that. You know what? I can't do it either. I don't know how God is going to use our family to do this, but we're still going to be walking in faith. And I love telling people this, uh, that are the ones that are staying, is that the reality is what I'm going to go do, what my family is going to Papua New Guinea to do, it's no different than what your part here is in the local church. We are called to do the same exact thing, and that is to make disciples. So if he has you here at New Village Church, guess what? Your responsibility is what? Make disciples. If he has you move to the West Coast, to North America, up in Canada, if he has you go to the jungles of Papua New Guinea, our purpose, and that's what I love about Christianity, is that if you are sold out for who and what our God is, your purpose in this life will never change. Where you serve out that purpose, to who you serve that purpose out to, it's going to look different as life goes on because there's different seasons of life. But that will always remain 
our sole purpose in this life till we either die or Christ raptures the church is to make disciples of all people. So if he has you here in this church, I mean he has you wherever you're working. If you're retired, if you're married, if you have children, um, so often, and I am so guilty of this, I'm pray- I always pray, Lord, please give me an opportunity to share your love with someone today. And he's probably just laughs every single time. Like, you have a wife, right? You have children, right? You have a neighbor. You have a workplace, right? Like, we are constantly around people. There's always, always an opportunity to share God's love. And so my new prayer that I had to re- rewire it a little bit is like, Lord, please give me the patience, the boldness to love my wife well how I should, to be patient and love my children well. And as I walk through the grocery store, as I interact with coworkers, as I interact in my local body, in this church body, wherever you have me, Lord, give me the boldness to be less of me and more of you and just show your love to them. Because uh, that is exactly what this world needs. As we interact with uh, people who aren't believers, who don't know the Lord yet, if we're not walking closely with them, if we're not being loving, who on earth is going to want to serve that God? Who on earth is going to want to be a part of that? I sure wouldn't. So we are representations. We are an extension of Christ, and it is a big responsibility, but it's a privilege uh, to be able to love on those that God has around us. And as I'm saying this, I hope you hear that it is just as, as much of a challenge to myself. I have not had this figured out. I don't do this well probably most days. Um, because loving others is a challenge. It takes the focus off me. And we love to have the focus on our wants, our desires, our needs. We want people to just love us, but we don't want to reciprocate that to others. And so, but that's what we're called to do. Uh, it's super challenging. And so, clock. Ooh, we're running out of time. All right, let's pick it up in, yeah. Uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, 15 through 16. Let me skip some of these. 15 through 16. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. This phrase, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. If I'm being honest, which... Uh, one thing, I, if you get to know uh, me and our family, we are pretty honest, we're pretty transparent. That phrase, I don't like that phrase at all. That To know if I am walking closely with the Lord, if I am serving our God, I'm going to suffer. Like, we, we know persecution is going to come. We know trials and tribulations. We know the suffering is going to come. And we know what the end result is, uh, and that's in James chapter 1. It says, count it joy, count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is certainly not the world's definition of how we should respond to suffering, and definitely not the end result that the world would say, because it's saying suffering is good, and it's good, and we're supposed to do what? Count it joy when we go through suffering. 
as we endure. Um, and that, that's what it produces. Suffering produces endurance. And this is not, and that, that, and that brings back to Romans 12, 1 through 2, because if we seek any answer related to this life and our direction of life, if we seek it through the world, you're not going to hear count it joy. So I would take, take a couple days, go take a vacation, do this, do that. Uh, not once will they say count it joy because what? It's going to produce endurance. It's going to produce you to look more and more like Christ. And uh, I think with, yeah, we'll, we'll do this one last one. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll have it. It's super small up there. I apologize, but Second um, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 27. I want to show you just some of what's mentioned of the sufferings of Paul. It says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So as we look at Paul, as we look at the lives of these, these people from the early church, um, we see what it says in Matthew 6.25, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day of its own trouble. They had the, this, this mindset uh, and I keep going back to this mindset of James 4.14. Our life here is so short that these sufferings, this tribulation that we're going through, it's nothing compared to the joy we will have spending eternity with our God. It's, tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Do not be anxious for tomorrow. I'm going to say it again, James 4.14. This is probably, has been my favorite verse for the past 12, 10 years? Something like that. I'm 28. 12 years. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Our life here on earth is so, so short. And I am trying to skip a couple pages here, so bear with me. Um, I don't want to go over 12. I mean, unless you guys want to stay till 1 o'clock. Um, let me just skip a couple. Yeah, so we'll, we'll end here. Um, that as we go through suffering, if you are a believer, as you go through suffering, uh, as you endure hardships, as inconveniences, as we go through these things, because they're guaranteed, uh, oftentimes we have this expectation that, all right, I prayed, I read my Bible, I went to church every day this year, uh, but yet I'm still going through these hardships, going through these sufferings. Um, and just because the, the more we walk with the Lord, please don't be discouraged, is, is the reality is the more suffering uh, we're going to go through. And uh, a great encouragement uh, was said to us 
uh, from the director of the Ethnos 360 training, uh, Brian Coombs. Um, as we walk through this life, he said that we, we are not at the mercy of our enemy, Satan. We are at the mercy of a merciful God who cares, who knows, and loves us deeply. Rest in this truth that he is still good no matter what life brings along. As we go through the suffering that is going to come, it's going to happen. Are you rested? Are you firmly settled that God is still good no matter what comes along? He needs to be our rock, our sanctuary, because he is the only thing that is able to take the pain. He's the only thing that can truly comfort us, truly give us rest and peace and love. He is the only thing that is able. And oftentimes suffering becomes way worse because where do we go to relieve our suffering? We go to the world. And the Bible says, no, 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 you're missing it. Go to Christ because he's the answer. He's the only thing that is going to help you get through that suffering. He's the only thing that's able. And so I would encourage you and challenge you, even myself, that as, as I head out to Papua New Guinea, a third world country where much suffering we know is going to come, m- many sickness, am I settled? Are you settled that no matter what life is going to bring along today, you get a flat tire on our way here, our battery died. I'm like, God, I'm going to speak at a church. How could you kill our battery? It's like, why do we think like that? It's just so often we're like, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm serving you. Why? Why? Why do this? Why is my car not working? But are we settled that God is good no matter what our personal experiences are? Because God's character, what I love about our God, is that God is good. He is faithful. He is loving. He is all of his characteristics, all of his attributes, all at the same time. From eternity past to eternity future, his character never changes. So if God is good and loving and faithful and kind all the time, then our experiences mean nothing. Not that they don't do anything for us, but it doesn't change who our God is. And I think that's an amazing thing and something we really need to settle on as we go out through this life because I know we're going to encounter suffering. I know every single person in this room as you walk up this door, this next, today, this next week, you're going to go through suffering. And it will be so easy to be like, why God? But we can in turn, knowing his character, be like, God, I don't want this. I don't understand it. But thank you for being faithful and loving me through it. Because that, that's what we should be doing. And so as we leave, like why talk about this? And we start off with the premise like practicality. If we're believers, if, if we want to be doers of the word, we need to act on it. And we need to be changed by it. And my only advice, my only challenge that I could, that I could possibly give you, uh, as you maybe think, okay, Lord, maybe in January I set these goals, these plans. Maybe I had to re- rewrite those plans and goals in, in June, halfway through. Um, Lord, I still want, I want you to bless those plans, Lord. And so I would encourage you, go to God. Just have a conversation with him. Wherever you're at in life, whatever occupation he has you, whatever desires, whatever plans, wherever you want to go in life, today is the perfect day to go to, to, go to the Lord and be like, man, I know I, I already started this without you. I'm already kind of going that way. 
but I'd love to do this with you. And I, I would really just encourage you, just have a conversation with him. Pray to God and just align yourself to this phrase of, I want to do this, Lord, but here I am. If you don't want me to do this, if you don't want me working here, if you don't want me doing this or this, this or that, here I am, Lord. And that, that's what I would encourage you to approach him with that attitude and that posture. Here I am, Lord, just like Ananias did, going to this man who is persecuting Christians. He still went. And that's what we're called to do. And again, live this life in light of what we said in James 4.14. That's your life. Live it. Live our lives in light of that fact that is going to be so quick. Live our lives in light of eternity. Let's pray. God, we are so, so thankful for you. Thankful for your love and your kindness for us, your faithfulness. Uh, we're so thankful for your word and the, the clear direction you have for us in it. And so thankful for stories like uh, the prodigal son that no matter how far in life we go without you, no matter how unredeemable we think we are, unreachable, um, unlovable, um, you're standing there with open arms, and that, that's what I love about the prodigal son, is that before he even, the son said anything to the father, the father was there with open arms, just wanting to embrace him. And that, that's who you are. And so if that's anyone here, Lord, I would just pray that they would just take that step to you and know um, you're not there wanting to um, bring down the whammy on them. You're not there with vengeance and anger. You're there with love and saying, Thank you, son. Thank you, daughter, for coming back. And I just pray, same thing I ask for myself, that as we leave here, uh, we would be changed. We would look different. We would look more like you. And not for opportunities, but for boldness uh, to share your love, to live out your love to our spouses, to our children, to our coworkers, to, to people in this body, to the strangers, to to anyone that you bring along in our lives, that I pray that we'd be bold enough um, and be walking closely with you enough that we're able to just show them a glimpse of your love. Um, and because that's what the world desperately needs. There's so many people that are looking and they're searching. Um, and I just pray that we would be men and women of God who are walking so closely with you um, that people would just see your love overflowing from our lives. And uh, we just give this day and we, we pray for the opportunity at this fair of the many people through this walk by this booth, maybe have conversations and the lives that could be changed. And I just pray that uh, you would encourage those that um, yeah, may not know you yet, that would just stop at that booth for whatever reason, uh, whether that's just because they're handing something out or it was just smiling. I just pray for opportunity in that regard that um, and boldness to share your love with those who don't know you uh, here in this local town, in this city, Lord. Um, and we give this day, we give this week to you, Lord. Amen.